Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's Wednesday. We're back in the studio together live talking about a sweet, sweet movie. This one is Split, the second film in the sick, unbreakable trilogy. We can't wait to talk about it. We'll see you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. There it was. There it is. Should I be singing? I feel like that's my thing now. This is Hedwig's favorite song. Aha! It's too bad Hedwig had to go Kanye instead of uh, Dr. Dre. Yeah, it would have been nice. It would have been a very, very... They'd be like, how did you find this CD? Some old school... Some old school. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Welcome. Uh, we're both back in the studio together again. You know, it's strange these days. It When we get back together in the studio, it's like every four weeks something happens now where one of us can't be here. Right. And it feels like, even though it's usually only one week off, it feels like it's four weeks off. Yeah. Even though it's just... Yeah. I don't know what it is. Just, just the show without... The other one just doesn't feel the same, even though Roxy was phenomenal, as she guest. always is. Great guest. Yeah, she was She was really great Total last week. Pro. Um, I, I don't know why. It's so weird. I think it's because we've done it for so many years, this show, that when, I, when it's a week off, it's like feels like we've missed something. For sure. Um, but these days with Action Industries, it's just it's 24-7. We're a 24-hour news cycle now. So, uh, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related, and pop culture by the Bucketful. We're talking about Split today, directed by M. Night Sh- Shyamalan. 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 Have you ever known how to properly say it, really, honestly? No, but I know how to spell it now. Like, after having to write it so many times yesterday, I know Shyamalan. it's Shy Oh, just- Hey, Marissa. Hey, Marissa's here. Yeah, Shyamalan. Shyamalan. It is Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Yeah. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Did you, uh, did you see Split in theaters? When did you watch Split? Are you I a fan? I did see Split in theaters. I'm not a horror person but you know mm. I, I really liked the concept of the different personalities and trying to uh figure out which is the villain even and which is the good guy even though they're stuck in the same person yeah so i think it, it was a really good character type of study it's really interesting that you say scary movies because i was gonna I, we talked a little bit on the phone yesterday and i was saying going back and watching this movie um i wasn't really ever scared and i wasn't really ever like that on edge right on, on rewatch but I remember, in, like, the first watch, I was like, oh, Jesus, you know? Uh, how did you feel watching it again? Uh, it's really good. I you like... also just watched Us, which is, like, very scary and creepy. I screened it last night. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I recommend it. Um, totally different, though. This is, like, the interesting thing is, like, M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan. <laughs> doesn't make horror movies. He makes thrillers. He makes, like, when people say the genre of horror thriller... Um, mm-hmm. it's, he, his movies are truly like one of the few types that actually exist in that genre because like they have like an element of horror, but they're really thrillers more than their horror movies, but they're not thrilling enough. They're not like page Turner, like John Grisham novels where they're like thrillers. So right. like they, they have this weird tone, but like this movie, for instance, on rewatch, the thing that I paid the most attention to is like, it's the most interesting thing is just to watch is just to watch McAvoy in each scene, in each moment, to yeah. watch. And even when he's not talking, like, I was, I was realizing when he first gets in the car, when he abducts the girls, and he sits down, and he starts taking the things off the dashboard. Yeah, he's just, he's cleaning. It, and yeah, it's I love awesome. it. Yeah. It's so methodical, and, uh, yeah, just watching him exist, and and Anna Taylor-Joy, they're both, like, she's mesmerizing. She's really good in this she's movie. She's very good, and she's, like... Yeah, she's I, I, mesmerizing is the word I like to use the most because a lot of the time, you know, we had the conversation of like, well, what would you do, man? Like, if you were in her position, yeah. would you be her? Or would you be them? And it's really tough because, like, if movies have taught us anything, you should be her. But if human nature and human instincts have taught you anything, you'll most likely be them and the, get the other two girls and get eaten. <laughs> You're gonna get eaten. I don't want that. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting movie. Definitely not a horror movie all the way, but uh, has some horror oh. elements. I mean, there's, there he is. There's cannibalism. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> that is always weird. Uh, that was another one of my uh, things I wanted to bring up when you were talking. Is just I hate how sci-fi and fantasy and horror and thriller have been married. They're just not things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, but it's like now that film has evolved so much, right? It is a complete disservice to each genre to marry them. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, so guys, number of things to talk about today on Action Movie Anatomy, the show where we talk about action movies. Um, the first one is a Patreon shout out. A couple things. We wanted to give a shout out to Sari 
Laminat. Lemon Maki. Lemon Maki. <laughs> and uh, the prince that wasn't promised, a big shout out to the prince that wasn't promised who uh, donated in our, our, our chat roll, live chat, uh, which you can do now yeah, uh, on YouTube. Is it called Super Chat? Super Chat, I think so. And uh-huh. a, a generous donation last week. And we wanted to let everybody know here because it's brand new. It's the first time it's ever happened. They just introduced this like a month ago. So <laughs> we don't know what's going on. <laughs> we, to tell, I like saw it. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Thank God Roxy was on the show. She was like, oh, that's a thing that's been announced. And yeah. it happens when people like you. I feel old so often. I, I do too. So, I could, like, I was, but how do I, if I click on it, do yeah. I get money? Like I was like learning, I've been like learning to use a PC. And I just like almost threw it out the window yesterday. <laughs> like, this doesn't work. Um, but, uh, a big shout out there, and so uh, just so everybody kind of knows what's going on here, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the super chat is the best possible way that you guys can support the studio. Um, that is all, everything on Popcorn Talk Network. Every dollar that comes in through advertising, um, it's all to keep this place running. We're in this amazing building, this incredible studio that was built a couple years ago. We've, yeah, we've been in these these between the two studios. We've been taken care of by this incredible network for over, uh, I mean, about four years now. So again, the super chat donations, uh, the prince who that wasn't promised donated last week. Every single single cent from that goes directly to popcorn talk which we cannot encourage enough we really really appreciate what they've done for us as for our support yeah we have a patreon so patreon.com slash team action is where you guys can support us um we have a bunch of different cool levels there there's gonna be some really fun stuff we're announcing great uh great growth and interaction this month on the patreon we have this amazing team of people on action industries i mean i've I've shouted them out before but just once again you guys are just absolutely friggin' crushing it uh and it's been so much fun to see there's news hits on the instagram there's so follow along there guys uh patreon.com slash team action you can find me personally at ben bateman media uh you guys can find me at andrew guy and yeah please go and find us at team action show uh action industries on youtube everything there it, it literally is always updated news stories every single day clips from the shows it is the place to be if you want to see what we're doing so today we are going to be talking about split this is the second film in the uh east what is it east rail 177 nice Nice pull. Nice. Uh, and, I bet uh, you wish you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, and uh, it's the second film in that in that trilogy. We had Spencer Treat Clark on for Unbreakable just a few weeks ago or a month ago or something like yeah. that. So coming up today on the show, we're going to be answering your AMA questions. We are going to be talking about some of the top director comebacks of all time, because I think we can both agree this is a major director comeback. Oh, 100%. Um, as well as going through all of our other fun games on the show. Um, am I missing anything super exciting and, and important before um, we just get into the show? No, I don't think so. I mean, we are going to be doing a fun recast. I know you, uh, it is inspired by our AMA question, but it's just something for you guys to think about in the chat, all the live viewers, just someone who you think, male and or female, who could pull off this incredible acting feat that James McAvoy did. Uh, I know Ben and I have our choices, so we'll get into that much later in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the f- first thing we're going to do is we're getting a thesis statement. This is your biggest, boldest thought about the film. You watch a movie, you think something, you want to share it with someone at a party. It's This should be really rooted in hyperbole. The best this, the only this the most this um, we try to stay away from loose stuff that's just sort of like i like or dislike something yeah um so do you want to jump in first with yours uh, i actually want you to go first because i don't want to steal it also I, I started watching triple frontier on netflix is it sweet it's pretty sweet i haven't watched it yet ben affleck looks like he's 50 i i hear he's like he be- looks like i hear he's like beer got a little bit yeah. he's grizzled oscar isaac just killing people it's sweet yeah yeah oscar anyway isaac's really talented he really is Really I, I think he has an incredibly <laughs> fortunate trajectory in his career. If I could pick an actor who I might maybe shape my own career after, I might follow in his footsteps. Yeah. You guys look kind of similar, I've actually. heard that. What's your thesis? <laughs> uh, after watching this film for a second time, I can confidently say James McAvoy is the most underrated working actor in Hollywood today. Um, God damn it. That was literally like almost exactly what mine was. And Brett Jones wrote that in the chat. Yeah. Cool. It feels... You guys are good rip-off artists. <laughs> Damn it, I should have went first. Um, yeah, please please, please elaborate, because I think there's a lot of people that can uh, share that feeling. I think, so, you know, I mean, I, I went to acting school when I was 17. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for a year, and I, I had a few years where I was, I was doing that. Um, that's not what I do anymore. It's not what I want to do anymore. Um, but I did enough of that stuff, like formal training, and I obviously watch enough stuff that right. I, I really do understand how this stuff works and how actors' processes and things like that. I'm also fascinated by actor stories. This is why I interview them. So um, when you watch him play this character, you notice all the small things, and it's it's way harder to make as many performances distinctive as he does than it is – like, you can change your voice, and you can like be like, ah, this character does this, and this character does this. Right. Anyone could do that. Jerry Butler could do that. Like, <laughs> I could do that. But it's not the same thing as distinctively changing the way that a character's mouth moves when they talk or the way they hold tension in their shoulders. It's – 
it's incredible the range that he goes through, and you got to think of the work that he put in, puts into completely embody every character is exactly what he is i think is what you're speaking on is it's it's about the intonation the rhythm the tone the the posture every single thing changes from character to character and that's why when we you know as we get farther along to the show one of my favorite moments in the show is when you finally see that moment of like the seven repressed characters all coming out who have yeah, been hidden in the right. darkness and yeah. you're like holy shit these are so defined it's so cool that like I love like there's certain moments like when uh, when he's Kevin Wendell Crumb and then he changes into the, th- the characters at the end yeah and he becomes Miss Patricia for a second and he closes the sweater right like it's a it's like a weird thing and I wonder how much of that stuff I have to wonder how much of that stuff was McAvoy making choices that they decided to include I would have to imagine most of it probably is because I don't think you could write I don't think you could write that many things right right like and and the other thing that's crazy about this and this is I was trying to come up with a way to put this into a thesis but like. M. Knight wrote this movie as a – he knew this was a sort of sequel to Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – it didn't have to be. But the concept of this movie is a concept that, like, your, your like, failed writing buddy could pitch you and be like, hey, I have this cool idea. Right. This guy has all these personalities and he kidnaps these girls and there's the beast. And, like, y- you might, like, read the script and be like, this is <laughs> – kind of cool but it's kind of stupid and i don't think this will ever get made this doesn't right. make any sense how's he climbing on walls like what is this um it only works because he's a talented director and he has enough of a name to get this movie made and then of course we're willing to watch it but that's the case with so many scripts is like there's a lot of great writing there's a lot of medium ideas that are executed really really well and that's kind of what this movie is to me yes yeah. it's, it's not that good of an idea it's like an incredibly ambitious idea that done in the wrong hands would be absolutely unwatchable yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, if you had a person that was really bad at overacting it, if you had a girl that was, like, an overactress, like, all, all of the things, If even if the set design didn't feel as authentic as it did, like, yeah, it, it, it was so, it would have been so easy to screw this movie up. This movie could have been a very bad M. Night Shyamalan movie. Horrible He movie. had so many in a row that were, like, very subpar. It's This movie easily could have been one of those movies, and it yeah. wasn't. Because, and I'm not sure if that's just, I'm not just sure if that's just McAvoy just made this movie that good. It's kind of hard to think that it isn't, right? Because, like, the things that make M. Night Shyamalan movies so interesting are, you know, these weird, interesting character quirks throughout. And then, of course, the twist. Yeah. But it's like, again, I think all this, a lot of it was just created by McAvoy. And there really isn't a twist in this. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your thesis? Uh, So my thesis is that this is the role, this film, you know, Kevin Wendell Crumb is the moment in James McAvoy's career where people are going to start taking him as a serious actor, start looking at him as a serious actor, which is shocking because he's been around for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, he broke out really in America, I think, in 2007 with Atonement, I want to say, is the one that I remember correctly, like like that, and then Wanted was like the next year. It was, um, let's see, Behind the Lines, I didn't really know those, The Pool, whatever, White Teeth, Foils War, Bollywood Queen. Wait, who am I looking at? McAvoy? This is McAvoy. <laughs> I was like, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Atonement is the, is the big, like, that's like the movie that he's like a star and it was a big movie. Okay, so he was in a TV series State of Play, six episodes of 2003, okay. then he popped up in Win- Wimbledon yeah. in 2004, yep. and then he was in, oh, uh, Mr. Tumnus. In, oh, you don't know what that is? Oh. Narnia. <laughs> Dang it, Marissa, I've got to play him on Saturday. <laughs> Mr. Tumnus. Yeah, eh? that's what it was. So I remember he pops up as like the uh, uh, what? What is it called? Uh, they're like half man, half ghost. Seder. Yeah, Seder. The fawn. The fawn. That's. The fawn. I knew it wasn't Seder. I knew it was something else. I was uh, trying to incept you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's where he popped up. Then he was in the Last King of Scotland. Oh yes, right. That's that's the one. It's not Atonement. It's and then it King. was Becoming Jane, Atonement, Wanted, and that's when he really started to take off. Romeo and Juliet, X Men: First Class. But then you look at the movies that he's done in the last decade, and other than Victor Frank. Victor Frankenstein in trance. Um, he's kind of just like, just hasn't done what you'd think he would do for being as large as he is, as popular as he was a huge heartthrob for a while, too. Yeah. Like, it's just very interesting. And so, since then, he's done, you know, Sherlock Gnomes, Atomic Blonde. He popped up in Deadpool as Charles Xavier. And it's really just been this X Men train. The next thing he has coming up, up is It Chapter 2. Which could, oh, he's one of the grown up kids. Yes, which I think could maybe be a moment to finally start to like. It's so weird to like to say like laying the groundwork for the rest of his career, even though he's already been working for almost twenty years. It's so weird, fifteen years. That whatever. he's. It's so weird that he's as talented as he is, and like the like we acknowledge that he's talented, but it's also weird that like he's not. 
like where's the James McAvoy two year run of like four movies and two of them are nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. And he gets an Oscar nom and all that. Like, why hasn't that happened? It feels like it should be happening right now. Maybe it still will happen, but like that's when I when I say underrated, that's kind of what I mean is I don't think that he's any less talented than like a Gyllenhaal or one of these other guys that not at all could just like ha- that that's kind of happened to. Like, what are the best James McAvoy movies? Like, what are the best ones? Split, Atonement, and, and like First Class, I guess. Yeah, First Class. First Class is is pretty good, it's good but it's mainly because of super Fassbender. boring. This movie's way above average. Yeah, none of those movies are amazing. Uh, a lot of people were saying Filth is really good. Or that he has a, at least a terrific performance in Filth. Huh. And then obviously The Last King of Scotland is a good movie, but that's mainly because of Forrest, I would assume. Yeah, and it's also like a, like a... That's like one of those movies that has an Oscar performance yeah. in it, but the movie's not that good. Yeah. Like, I just watched Crazy Heart. The movie was good. Crazy Heart was really right, good. but Bridges is amazing. That's He's really good. That, yeah. That's why that movie is... Anyone who knows what it is is because Jeff Bridges won an Oscar. It's the same reason that anybody knows what The Last King of Scotland is. Nobody would ever have heard of that movie if it wasn't for him winning that Oscar. Right. You think uh, Hall could pull all this off? After watching Nightcrawler? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, has, so. he has the range. He'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so those are our thesis statements, guys. I know that there were a bunch in the chat. Um, a lot of them kind of on the lines of what we were talking about, but make sure you throw these in there. Love the conversation. we got about 40 people in the chat right nice. now. Nice. What's up, everybody? Hello. So, yeah, guys, let's keep on moving through the show. The next bit we're going to do is fist pump moment. This is where something happens. You kind of look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? This is yeah. the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm so excited. I got to watch the rest of this movie. You pump your fist. I just said I'm so excited I get to watch the rest of this movie. I did it so guttural. <laughs> it sounded like I was just taking a dump, actually. <laughs> Our clip from Action Guys this last week that opened the show, I forgot that it happened. I did, too. And then I watched the clip. It's very funny. And it made me laugh. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was, I was kind of embarrassed when I did it. And then it was just like one of those comedy oh, it's, gold things. Yeah. It's just what, and also even my face, I'm kind of like, what the hell? You go, you go <laughs> what? I go, I sang it. Why? I don't know. I was trying something. Oh, <laughs> uh, Those that's clips a, have been amazing. That's a show we have, by the way. Yeah, that is a show we have. It's called The Action Guys. We do it every single week on the Collider Podcast Network. Uh, we put it up on the Movie Talk feed. It's 40-ish minutes long. It's another movie show. Kind of, It's inspired by conversations we have on this show, but it's a little bit more general. It's less one movie specific. And the coolest thing is we have a YouTube channel, Action Industries, where you can actually find full video episodes of that show. They've given us the footage, so it's ours. Yeah. And because uh, they feature the full audio feed and then like some of their favorite clips they feature on their collider podcast youtube network but we actually get to host the full show so if you want to just go watch them on youtube like this go subscribe to the action industries youtube and check out that show because we have a ton of sweet episodes yeah yeah it's it's super cool that they, they allowed us to take that onto our channel action industries on youtube action industries on instagram someone just wrote i believe what your fist pump was in the chat so i want you to go first again okay there's there's a lot of fist pumps in this movie um and i think there's just a lot there like yeah most of them are mcavoy uh, but my fist bump moment, because it's so weird, is the dancing from Hedwig. Yes! And the Kanye dancing. It, because it's so strange, but like... <laughs> you know when something in a movie is really strange, and you don't know why you like it, but right. you just really like it? Like <clears throat> they, It's like they went for it, and, and they, it worked. And they did it, they moved their body, or they said something in a way. That, yeah, <laughs> That didn't that work. Did not work. <laughs> I like that that's become a running joke. It is, and I love that I've never seen it. Yeah, but you know exactly. But it's my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. What is it from? It's from Contraband. <laughs> it's Diego Luna with a roll of duct tape. Yeah. Instead of putting on a hood, he wraps duct tape around his head because it looks cool. As a mask. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. I love it. It's become a strong <laughs> reference on the show. It would be so painful getting that off your head. Oh, like, it would, it would like, ri- yeah, it would, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not practical. You better about- be dying in this robbery because that mask is never coming off. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, uh, I've seen three people now who have that as their fist pump. The Hedwig dancing? Yeah. It's just like... The high knees is are amazing, and then like he does like a headstand, but you don't even see him doing it. You just see his legs. Right. It's like such good comedy, and again, it's just like McAvoy. Like, my God, man. Yeah. And, and not only that. Okay. Not only is it the talent, but like again, as somebody who is you're a legit actor all the time, can you imagine being given a role like this, where like you're you're like I'm gonna just do, I'm gonna spend a year yeah. just on anything I want, like. Anything I do, I'm going to go all in and it's going to work. Like, I just, I mean, like, I can't imagine what that phone call was like for James McAvoy because regardless of what you think about M. Night Shyamalan, if his name is at the top of a, t- of a trailer or the credits, that movie has 
exponentially more legitimacy than it would if it was a nobody. You know, like yeah. even if M Night hasn't made great, great movies, if you hear M Night's coming out with a new movie, everyone's ears kind of perk up. So to get that call, being like, "Hey, James, we got this role for you. You get to play like twenty different people." I actually talked to, uh, tonight about this at, oh, Com- at Comic Con. I want to hear about um, it. And he pitched him the role at a party at Comic Con. That's he met him. He met him at a party at Comic Con, and he met him. And like in that party was like, "Oh, I think this guy could do this. Right? I think it should be James McAvoy." That's how it happened. He met him at a party at Comic Con for the first time and had a conversation, and that's where he decided that he wanted him to play this role in Split. That is so crazy. Yeah, isn't that cool? It's just yeah, it is. It's super cool, and also it just makes me like, ah. <laughs> uh, just like it's amazing. Right place at the right time. <laughs> Brandon Hanna goes. Uh, My fist pump moment was me opening the other show because that's basically what happened. You're like, remember on the action guys when I sang? Um, all right, so my fist pump moment is. It's tough for it not to be David Dunn popping up at the end because yeah. it was like yeah, yeah. none of us saw the twist coming. None and, of us saw. And the Unbreakable music sets in. Yeah. Which at this time I only realized is what happened because we just had rewatch Unbreakable. Right, the right. first time I didn't realize that was the same music. Yeah. I, I loved it. And watching it again last night and I've, I've, I've gained like a new fondness for this entire trilogy after speaking with Spencer and like just, you know, Glass coming out. But I think it is the moment that I mentioned earlier in the show when she says Kevin Wendell Crumb, and then all of a sudden you get to see all the repressed personalities. The yeah. ones that you've, the ones that like, you saw them all on the screen for a moment, and he put just as much work in those characters as he does in the ones you see throughout the entire film. Yeah. Which I think is why I loved it so much, because it's like, you talk about what you're saying, you're like, you get a whole year to work on like 10 different characters. Imagine if like several months of those characters were spent on ones that you see for like thirty seconds, because yep. that's what I you know when they finally pop up in the movie it, for me I was like oh my god I want to see I want to see all of these people just as much as I've seen Kevin and Hedwig and and, and Barry and Dennis yeah. you know so that again for me and also you know like you said since I'm an actor just watching that you're kind of just it's blown away it's it really is fascinating. As, as somebody who's really not an actor anymore I find it like every bit is fascinating I think just maybe it's because maybe it's because I had to go through that training at one point mm-hmm. so I remember like. I just remember how difficult it is to even free yourself up enough to play one character well, let alone, like, being able to switch between them like that. Yeah, you know, and, like, people don't even know how hard it is just to be yourself on camera talking yeah. about movies. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. then try to be someone else on camera. It's it's crazy. And those things that you do when you're trying to build a weird, unique character, like, weird... Like, there's there's so many moments that his characters have. Like, I love when Hedwig's getting upset about her wanting to leave... Right. He's like, you thought it was a window so you could leave, et cetera? Yeah. Like, that he's upset, but he still throws in the line, et cetera, and yeah. it has an extra layer because you know that he's upset, and he's still saying this weird thing. Right, because yeah. he's a kid, and it's like, the whole thing is so strange, but so effective. I know, and also when they, like, kind of lock him out of the room when they're trying to find the hole in the drywall and yeah. stuff, and he, like, starts calling them bitches and yeah. stuff, you're like, Jesus. There's, like, something, like, like, uh... Like trailer trash, like yeah. like you wouldn't say that ever. And I don't know that like the way that when it comes out of his mouth, he's like you stupid bitches or whatever. You're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. whoa. But it's so radically different than every single one of his characters. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I just I just absolutely love it. What's the chat have to say? Uh, chat. They've got a lot of love for him. Of course, Hedwig. I just ate a hot dog. Uh, a lot a lot of fist pumps involve Hedwig. Um, the first time in session when he starts jumping in and out of different personalities made him hungry for more, says uh, Mitchell Bowker. Um, when Casey found the beast just, like, devouring the girl in the closet. Yeah, that part is gnarly. Savage, yeah. Uh, David Dunn's first appearance. Also, um, I also love a scene where the beast bends the bars and could go after Casey, but decides not to because they both have been hurt in their own ways. Kevin with his mom and Casey with her uncle. I, as weird as this is, I really liked the storyline with her uncle and her dad. Yeah, it's just enough. It's just enough. Yeah. Like, and he, and he says things like, animals don't wear clothes. Like, just He's creepy cre- and weird and, and just fucked up enough to where you, like, you hate him. Yeah, I mean, he lets you... he. Knight lets you fill in the blanks here, which I think is really smart. Yeah. And he also I like I like that in the car at the end, your uncle's here to pick you up and she gives her that look, but they don't say anything. She just gives her that look and you're like, Oh shit's gonna change. She right. went through something right now. She survived. Right. She survived some real shit. Uh and the, she's this is not gonna be the same. Um 
you know, I, I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff. There's also, I mean, I just want to talk about each of the characters. I think maybe that's actually a thing we should do in a second. Okay. Is probably talk about them. But let's let's get into the next part of our show first. I and mean, if we have time, we'll kind of do that. All right. Um, so we're going to get into Star Profiles. We just talked about his career a little bit. But McAvoy does X-Men Apocalypse. He did not play Apocalypse. <laughs> he did that not. That was Oscar Isaac. Did, uh, didn't we talk about that recently? That's the one role that <laughs> you got to pass on. <laughs> He looks so ridiculous. <laughs> he really does. And like that's just that's like one of those roles where you think about like you think about as an actor, you'd like look back on your life and be like on one level you're like, Well Of course I took it. Of course I took it. I was the main villain in an X Men movie. On the other hand, it's like, what was I what were they thinking? Well, yeah, like why do I look like that? You're supposed to be scary? He's supposed to, like in the comic books he's like crazy, like metal looking, weird head shape, like he's awesome looking. I don't he's even like, remember what he looks like. Ah, in the comic books, he's he's sweet. In the comic books, Apocalypse is always like like awesome. He's like very mechanical looking, right? Um, but in this, he's yeah, it's terrible. He looks. Oh like, yeah, he looks like that. <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> he looks like a Protoss. In the comic <laughs> books, he's a like he looks like a machine. His face is like a mask, like an Iron Man mask, right? Um, or is this one? Yeah, what happened? What happened? I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> prior to prior to X Men Apocalypse, where McAvoy did not play Apocalypse, <laughs> we had Victor Frankenstein in 2015, which is a movie that actually exists, by the way. That that yeah, happened. That's a real thing. Uh, some of you guys probably don't remember. I never saw it. In fact, I didn't even. I don't. I know that it hit theaters. I don't ever remember it happening. There was just the two, right? There was I Frankenstein yeah, you're and this up. one. You're there was just up. the two, Aaron Eckhart and this one, right? And yeah. then there was the. I actually really like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer or whatever <laughs> Vampire Hunter. That shows that movie's sweet. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Why time. is this a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't enjoy them. But I mean, as bad as Victor Frankenstein apparently was, uh, I Frankenstein was worse. So, and my favorite yeah. part about I Frankenstein is that, like, because I, I like Aaron Eckert, but I think he's like, you know, he's not like a great actor. He's, I know he he like I think he had us all fooled for a moment. He had a minute, yeah, and and I like him a lot. And if I met Aaron Eckert, I would shake his hand. And be oh, like, I love Aaron Eckert, yeah, big fan. Yeah, um, like Nick Naylor and and thank you for smoking. Thank you for smoking is, is great his character. Best, yes, uh, and he has a couple really cool movies. There's a movie called In the Company of Men from like the late '90s or early 2000s. That's like I think I've told you about this before. You'd like this movie. It's What's it Super, I think it's called In the Company of Men. Okay. It's these two co-workers, Aaron Eckhart, who's like a total like dickbag, like hotshot, and his like, you know, shorter, wider, balding, like kind of portly buddy that he works with. And this deaf girl starts working at the office and they make like a bet of who can who can like get her affection. Oh, you did tell me about this. And in the end, the it's like a joke and the shorter guy falls in love with her and Eckhart gets her and she falls in love with Eckhart, but of course he's just an asshole. Right. It's like such a twisted movie. But it's good? Uh, it's really good. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's like a really good indie. But uh, anyway, so Victor Frankenstein, the funny part was he got like super shredded for that movie, I remember. He went on like a really intense workout oh, regimen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. And it's like the worst movie ever made. So. It's so bad. <laughs> so no one saw it. Or I, I, I don't think I've, I've, I've ever finished it. I've definitely turned it on a handful of times you have. at night while intoxicated. Are you sure that's not a fever dream? (laughs) (laughs) I just dream about it. Uh, Okay, so on the other side of it, we have uh, Anna Taylor-Joy, who has done Barry in 2016, which I don't know of. Can you double-check that it's not Anya Taylor-Joy? I feel like it is. I think it is. Anya. Yeah, Yeah, it is Anya. Yeah. I, like, even wanted to say Anya just now. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy, Barry in 2016, which I don't know what it is. Morgan in 2016, which Mm. I also don't know what it is. And then The Witch in 2015, which I saw in theaters. Super weird. Yeah, I didn't ever see The Witch. I don't know what Morgan O'Berry is. I know she's an actress who's, like, sort of having a moment. Thoroughbreds was a, was a well-liked indie from last yeah. year that I really liked. Uh, she's really good in it. Um, it feels like she is having her moment. It feels like she's going to keep having one. I think she's got a couple things lined up. I really like her. New Mutants is, like, suppo- it was supposed to come out, and then, like, I've heard there's a possibility that movie's never going to come out. Um, I've heard about that as well, which I think is... Weird because there was a lot of people that were really excited about that. Yeah, but apparently, like, apparently it's terrible. Um, and then she's also in Glass, obviously. Mm-hmm. But she's she's an actress who I think it seems like there's a lot of promise. Um, it's it's a little weird. I mean, tell me if you relate to me on this at all. Okay, it's a little weird getting older, and so people who I remember like at one point in my life were like young up and coming actresses. Take like Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence is like a well-established vet now. She's been acting for like in the spotlight for ten years, yeah, and she's not like new, young, and up and coming anymore. 
And you look at like the actresses in this movie, Anya Taylor Joy, Haley Lou Richardson, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. These are the young actresses. Wait, Olivia... Haley Steinfeld? Oh, I thought you were saying Haley Steinfeld was in this. No, no. Yeah. Um, Olivia uh, the Cook. Olivia yeah, Olivia Cook. Cook. Yep. Like, they're all, like, these are the actresses that are like 22, 23, 24, 25, who are like making names for themselves right now. And it's so interesting because, like, we're old. Yeah. <laughs> we are. She's got, she's got, Ten things in production right now, and she was born in '96, so she's 22. Yeah, we're about to turn 31. Um, she's like a <clears throat> she's like a legit up and comer, and like it's so interesting watching these careers now because we've been covering movies professionally for years, and gigantic movie finds our whole lives. Yeah, and yeah, just is Anya Taylor Joy, man. She's she's gonna have a big career. I she think. is her and Haley Steinfeld for sure. Yeah, I think she's so good. Haley Lou too is having a big moment right now. She just had a movie open called Five Feet Apart with Cole Sprouse. I've heard is amazing. I haven't watched it. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine. I was actually just looking at an Instagram story. It's just her crying for like six of her stories, saying how incredible that movie is. Oh, I thought you were gonna tell me that that movie is just Haley Lou crying for six minutes. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, all right, so moving on to production development. Unless, do we want to talk about who else we think could have played? Kevin Wendell Crumb right, right now? I think we, because we'll answer the question in a second, maybe. Okay. You know, we usually save AMA question to the end. We have some good ones, though. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just go on to M. Night really quickly. Uh, I mean, you guys all know him. We've covered him a lot recently with Glass and with, <clears throat> excuse me, Unbreakable. It's, uh, you know, Six Sense is kind of what put him on the map. Then he did Unbreakable in 2000, Signs in 2002. And these were all massive, massive films. He received a nomination for Best Director after Six Sense, although he did not win. Haley also got a nomination for Best Supporting in 99, yep. Um, After that, he did a bunch of poorly received movies. The Village, which I love. Lady, Marissa, what do you think of The Village? (laughs) I actually haven't seen it. God damn it. Nor have I. God damn it. Is it on your list? The Village? Yeah. A hundred movies that when people say, you haven't seen that movie? The Village. Yes. No. You haven't (laughs) seen that movie? Ah, uh, okay, signs, blah, blah, blah. So uh, then he goes on his run of bad movies, which is The Village, which I think should not be in there. Lady in the Water, 2006. The Happening, 2008. Airbender, The Last Airbender, 2010. After Earth in 2013. The Visit in 2015, which I heard was kind of like good enough. Uh, and then 2016, he does Split. So legitimately took a massive, massive break. As well known as being a writer as a director, I think the, the most interesting thing about M, M. Night to me, and this will lead in here, guys, we're, we're doing a whole show this week on the Action Guys, uh, top top Hollywood comebacks of all time, um, and we're going to kind of tease that right now with a segment we're doing about greatest director comebacks of all time. Yeah. But I think starting with him and just kind of quantifying why we look at this as a director comeback, it's not that he was so unsuccessful that he wasn't making big movies. I mean, even After Earth in 2013 is a big movie. Um, yeah. But the thing is, what happens to you when you're a guy that writes and directs your own movies, and you start to make movies like Lady in the Water and The Happening, by the time he made After Earth, it's a trivia question to know that M. Night directed that movie. That's 100%. not an M. Night movie. No. That's a, that's a bad sci-fi movie that was not, not well made, not well received, with a big actor that nobody remembers. And it's directed by a guy who was originally famous for writing and directing brilliant films. Yes. When that happens to you, you have officially fallen off. So, like, And, and if you just look at this list, the fact that, okay, so I argue that The Village is good. Yeah. Like, I like it. But 80% of people don't. So then 2002 is when he did Signs. Yep. The next legitimate film that he makes that people actually went out, I mean, everyone went out and still sees his movies, but actually, like, said was good enough was The Visit. 13 years later and arguably it's really you know split it's 14 years later it's, it's yeah. only relevant because split was good exactly that's yeah. what i mean so 14 years is he takes this massive break so we've got this list again like ben said to tease our episode of the action guys coming up we're going to be talking about the greatest directorial comebacks in history yeah well we'll throw a couple out here i think um the first one that jumps to mind for me is clint eastwood yeah. And and this is a really interesting one because there's not that many directors that you can you can point to and it's the same kind of thing, right? Like like talk about M Night, it's not like he made a bunch of movies that didn't get advertised and weren't released in theaters. When you're a huge famous director, your movies still get promoted. Absolutely. I mean, in this day and age it's a little different cuz studios don't want to spend money on on theatrical releases if they can avoid it. Um, but Clint Eastwood, you know, he directed a bunch of westerns in the 80s. And they were fine. He made a bunch of movies that were fine. Um, yep. They were they were above average. Ninety two, he wins Best Director and Best Picture for Unforgiven. It's a big movie. It's a huge deal. People expect that Clint Eastwood is going to follow that up with something great. Right. His nineties is like 
Perfect World, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, True Crime, Absolute Power, Blood Work. Like, it's a bunch of... They're all bad. bad. I mean, they're all, like, mediocre. I mean, like, average at best. They're all, like, yeah, they're page turners, basically. Like, they're not good. Um, And he made a ton of these in a row. It wasn't until 2003 with Mystic River... 11 years after winning Best Picture, that he made a movie that really brought him back into significance as somebody who you should see his movies. Because he goes like Mystic River in 03, Best Picture for uh, Million Dollar Baby in 04. Then he does Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima. He does. I mean, he legitimately could have won Best Picture three out of those four years. Grand Torino in 2008 or something like that. Because I remember people love Letters to Iwo Jima. Yeah, it's good. Was it? I, I just I, I don't it's remember fine. it that well. Yeah, Not, neither of those movies. Mystic like, River, I love. Mystic River's amazing. Should have won Best Picture. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And then, yeah, obviously, Million Dollar Baby. So um, that's a great one. I think it's really interesting because you know I really like what Clint Eastwood has kind of done in the later part of his career. Um, I didn't I didn't really watch a lot of the stuff he directed early on. The westerns, or that yeah, 90s the westerns. Stuff? I did watch the '90s stuff, like some of the '90s stuff. I mean, obviously, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Unforgiven. I don't think it's as good as most people do. I mean, maybe it's just dated, but I, I like it. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Um, so I think the first person on my list is a person that's like near and dear to my heart. It's Guy Ritchie. Oh yeah, because I loved absolutely. I mean, I think every person our age, every guy our age at least, loved Lockstock and Snatch. Yeah, they were just so cool. Like, yeah. the coolest movies at the time, you I think, know? I think people our age didn't see Lockstock. They saw Snatch, and maybe they went back and yeah, watched that's Lockstock. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and then he goes on this run of, like, Rock and Rolla and, what, Revolver? And Yeah, he does. He does Rock and Rolla and Revolver in there. He does that movie uh, Swept Away, I think it's called, with Madonna. Right. Right? So he does, uh, he does those two early <laughs> ones. Wife. Yeah, Swept Away, Rock and Rolla. There's uh, Revolver, and there's one other, like, I think there's one other bad one in there. There's one more that was just kind of a miss. But then you get Sherlock Holmes, which, honestly, we need to cover the first Sherlock Holmes on this show. We're going to. I, we will. I, I love that gotta movie. we got to have Irwin on here for it. Oh, yeah. He produced it. He produced it. Yeah. I love that movie. I think it's so awesome. And Downey's just perfect. And him and Jude Law are great together. And all those cool, fun, like, camera tricks that Guy Ritchie's kind of known for in his stylization is used perfectly yeah. in that film. I agree. Um, so yeah, that's that's the next one on my list, and and I think he's like he's back in the light. I, I, he's not definitely like in the limelight, but I think he's like King Arthur. Anyone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Speaking of King Arthur, um, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and jump out and say uh, I, I want to use somebody better than this. No, I'll say it. Antoine Fuqua. Um, <laughs> I love Antoine Fuqua. <laughs> is it just is it just Scarface and then what? Is it just Scarface and Scarface? then Training Day? I mean, not Scar. That's De Palma. Yeah. Uh, no, Fuqua. I can explain. I can. I can explain myself. Yeah. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm so curious. So he does Training Day. You do Carrie, which is no. That's is also, also De Palma. Palma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he does. He does Training Day, and that's a big movie in '01, and everybody pays attention to it. And then, really, it's his next like few years are all kind of bombs. Like he does Tears of the Sun, right? And he does King Arthur. Love Tears of the Sun. And those are both huge bombs. So, and then I believe after King Arthur, his next movie is Shooter, which is, which is fine. Like, Shooter's a... And Danny Glover's a motherfucker. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember from that movie. Bob Lee Swagger. <laughs> <laughs> I love Shooter. I'm a big I, fan of that movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a, but it's not good. It's like a oh, very, God, it's horrible. very trashy action movie. Yes. And I also don't think Training Day is particularly good, so... It's um, really not. But I think it's fair to say that Antoine Fuqua had a, had a comeback in the latter part of his career because he did make The Equalizer, which was very successful, and people liked it a lot. And he did make Southpaw, which, like, got a lot of attention as a legitimate movie. And he made Magnificent Seven, which we both liked. He liked Mag Seven, and then he made The Equalizer too. I think the back half of his career has been a lot more successful than that front half. Well, like, but Tears of the Sun and King Arthur back-to-back is pretty bad. It's really bad. And it's also just – it's one of those things where, like, the audiences start to know what to expect out of Fuqua. And I think he started to kind of own what what he really yeah. – what genre he really, genre he really directs. I agree. Um, next, I'm going to go with Wes Craven. Uh, oh, that's a cool one. Yeah. So, like, as a lot of you guys know, I'm a big horror fan, even though I haven't been watching as much of them lately. Um Really, really one of the most iconic, famous horror movie directors of all time because of Nightmare on Elm Street. But then he kind of has a rough, like, 90s. It's not, like, the greatest or, like, late 80s, early 90s. And then he does Scream, which is just, you know. What what really else is there to say about Scream? I just watched it last year for the first time. It's so good. It, like, still holds up. One of my favorite questions of all time that was a miss from Riley was, like, uh, what movie has these characters? And it was, like, 
Sally and Dave and Ghostface and yeah, something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And and I just remember like all of us there was like a handful of us that were like super stumped by it and then he got it wrong yeah. and he just couldn't believe it because of Ghostface. Like yeah. that is the most like on the nose thing, but you just don't even think about it. So um I just love that because, you know, as Jordan Peele has shown us, horror is a very, very hard, you know, genre to own and do perfectly. Yeah. Wes Craven's one of the icons, one of the staples, one of the founding fathers of it, and even he struggled a lot in his career. Yeah. Um, I don't think he really came back, but Scream was a comeback for him. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so I think that'll kind of tease the segment, guys. We're going to talk a little bit more about this as well as some actor comebacks, uh, actress comebacks on the action, guys. Make sure to tune, tune into that this Friday. It drops at 3 o'clock on the Collider podcast feed, the Movie Talk feed, um, and then full episodes you can get actually the same day on video, the full shows, patreon.com slash teamaction. Um, and then we just put them up publicly for everybody the next Tuesday if you want to wait and watch them then. But yeah. you can download them day up for free. I'm actually going to plug something really quickly because Kyle Ma is in the chat. Kyle Ma is the winner of our weekly Instagram uh, challenge that we're going to do. And yes. we're actually going to start – we're going to do a little uh, a little shift here, a little left turn on the audience. I don't even know if I've even spoken to you about this. Um, Whoa. AMA question is something that we used to post in the Facebook groups and on our Twitter every single week. We get about 20, 30 questions sometimes. Sometimes we only get 5 to 10, whatever. Um, we are now going to allot it to one place and one place only. We're going to be holding a challenge once a week at a certain time. We'll let you guys know what that is. But for now, just follow Action Industries on Instagram. This week, Kyle Ma won the challenge, which was, uh, you know, which of the movies that we've covered have we have directors on, on the show for? And I believe he responded with Gavin O'Connor. So, and Rob Cohen. And those, Rob those Cohen. Those were the two. Those were the two. Yeah, yeah, the answers. Yeah, so guys, make sure to follow us on Instagram if you want your question answered live on air. Kyle says, I'm Kyle Ma, huge fan of the show. AMA question. James McAvoy showcased incredible range in his performance as Kevin with multiple distinct traits for each character. What other actors or actresses could take on the role like this one and successfully pull off all personalities? My initial thoughts are Christian Bale and Vera Farmiga. With Bale's work on on The Prestige and his take on Bruce Wayne with about three different identities and with Farmiga's work on Bates Motel playing some very distinct versions of Norma Bates, those are my choices. Also, if you could incorporate Cage versus Cruz, that would be awesome. Could you imagine Cage in this role? Keep up the great work. Kyle Ma. Well, Kyle, interestingly enough, my answer, my initial answer that I really would like to give is Cage. That's who I think could pull off this role. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you're joking, but like, we know what Cage is capable of. Kevin Wendell Crom. <laughs> you know I'm Crumb. Kevin Wendell Crom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Caster Troy. Wrong movie, Dick. Um, he, uh, Nick Cage would own this role. He would be fantastic in this role. Like, he, and obviously, get, being the beast, I would love to, like, he like he like the movie wouldn't have enough budget for him to take it seriously enough to get in shape. So he would like be the beast, but like not in particularly good shape. <laughs> they like lied him like they did Marlon Brando in uh, yeah, in yeah. Uh, 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 Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or 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 it's just bad CGI and it's clearly just not his body. <laughs> it's just his head. <laughs> That'd be sweet too. But uh, I yeah, Nick Cage. I think in this role would be fantastic. I mean, I'm more joking, but you're also right. I think about Christian Bale. I don't know. I have never watched Vera Farmiga in Bates Motel. Um, the stuff I know her from mostly is The Departed and Up in the Air and The Conjuring, I think. Yeah. I, I I think she's a very interesting choice. I'd like to see her do something like that. I actually really liked the first two seasons of Bates Motel. Oh, you've um, watched I watched them and I, and I kind of just fell off. Um, Bale, I think, could. I, I honestly think Bale is maybe the greatest character actor alive right now. He's uh, so good. He's just so good. Um, D-Day Lou is kind of almost retired for me i'm gonna have to go with our our dear old boy on the show with recast which is fastbender yeah he'd be so i nervous. think he would be so, be so good in this but i think that's almost too easy that was one of the reasons i didn't want to say it so i'll just use him as like fastbender i would love to see angelina jolie do this oh that'd be cool i know it's just it sound it just seems crazy enough right she hasn't pushed herself for a role in a while. And she's so talented. Like yeah. she actually is a good actress. So I think I think that would be really sweet to see to see her do that. My actress I'd go with here would be Julianne Moore. She's oh. Julianne Moore She can do anything in she, my mind. Yeah. She I she's probably my favorite actress today. I like, think I, why she's gonna just be the next Meryl Streep. She needs to be, I think. She's like what, fifty maybe? Right yeah, which range? also seems like it's too late almost. But then Meryl Streep is just like over the last twenty years, yeah, it's just been insane. I watched The Devil Wears Prada this week. 
for, I the, would... for the first time. I'm not just stating that because I watched it again. <laughs> and you gave it a, a glowing review. It's really good. It's a really, really good movie. Surprise, there's no sequel. Um, I, what are some of the iconic Kevin Wendell Crumb lines? I, I, what are your favorite lines? What are my favorite lines? I don't even know what my favorite lines are. I guess I think what I wrote down as my actual favorite line is um, I like the broken or the more evolved. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. It's a good line. Yeah. And then uh, it actually was the line that you said. I wrote it. Oh, they're both they're both Hedwig lines. Did you think it was real window? So yeah. you could leave, etc. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, she goes. So you're not the guy that brought us here? <laughs> no. <laughs> and and you're not the lady. <laughs> what are you blind? I love that line because it's like it's you, dude. Yeah. Like you know, it's yeah. So I think that are you blind? <laughs> Were you blind? <laughs> that would be so good. <laughs> Cage would be amazing. I like. Uh, I, I love. Um, we haven't talked about this at all, but I love the weird. The weirdness of Dennis's character is kind of being a pedophile, but also never really going full pedo. Oh, right, because he like likes. They mention that he likes to watch young girls dance naked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like. He's weird and gross and creepy, but like while you get the beast eating someone, you never see Dennis even like he's like uncomfortably asks them to take their shirt off because yeah. it's dirty because he's OCD. It's such a weird character, but I think it's such an effective villain character. Well, because it's like how easy is it to just be like a creepy dude who preys on women? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's got a lot of. Um, I mean, you would get a lot of like the matchstick men, Nick Cage, in that character. Yeah, the OCD part. You know, I like love that You're, movie. Your shirt's filthy. T- Take it off. Take it off. (laughs) (laughs) He's so gross. I would love that. So uh, so Denuso here wrote, excuse me, he wrote, um, recast for Kevin, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Recast for Casey, Millie Bobby Brown. I love it. I think those are both absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Gosh, what are we doing on time here? Marissa, how are we doing on time? How much more time do we actually have? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay, so I am going to breeze through production. uh, I mean, not production development, but... um, Critical and box office. This was uh, a very cheap film to make, um, almost shockingly cheap at nine million dollars. You'd think that most of that had to go towards. You'd think it would just have to mainly go towards James McAvoy, and then honestly, just set design. I think the majority of it has to. I don't think he got paid very much for this. Movie. Yeah, he probably just like. I mean, yeah. for him, he might have looked at it the same way that we're talking about. But like, finally, maybe people will take me seriously. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, probably <clears throat> probably a million dollars would have to go to McAvoy. You'd think. You would think so. Anya Taylor Joy wasn't really famous yet. Uh, Fifty thousand, twenty thousand. None of the other actors in this movie are real. I mean, they're all up and comers. Yeah, other than David Dunn, I could see I could see Willis getting twenty or fifty for that. Probably more, or even one hundred fifty, two hundred. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I just at this point don't know how I feel about Bruce Willis as an actor anymore. I don't either. I, I like. I really don't either. And I've just heard the worst things about him as a person. Me too. Yeah. Like so many times. So so like so so unfortunate because he was like. He's like one of our guys. I know. He's one of the guys we grew up on. He's one of the staples of action genre. He's the just, action genre. He was like a, such a movie star. And like, it just, when I see him now, he just like, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's like he's got this pride of, and, and like inability to like, like he has to take himself so seriously and it makes him like unappealing. And he started this weird new production company for the Netflix. Have you seen all that? All the straight to video things? No. He like, they're all like shitty action movies yeah. that he's like either the bad guy or like the old guy in. And the way that it works is like he self finances him with his production company. He'll come in and shoot all of his scenes for the whole movie in a day. Oh yeah, oh and, yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'll leave, and then they have to do the rest of the movie without him there. And they're yeah. just garbage. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember which one it was that I watched on Netflix the other day, but I just watched it. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing in here, man?" I, I mean, if you look at like, if you do yourself a favor, guys, I think we've talked about this before. But go ahead and pull up Bruce Willis's IMDb, and prior to Glass, look at his last 12 credits as an actor, and you will be blown away by the number of them if you've actually seen. It's yeah. insane. It's like it's like Marauders, Once Upon a Time in Venice. Like some people actually saw Death Wish, but like, oh god, there's so many on there that are just that are just like you've never heard of this movie. This, that new one that just came out with Sheck in it, uh, Reprisal. Right. They're uh, just they're just all bad. The, make- prin- the prince, the prince with John Cusack, like they're. Oh, all- that's the one that I watched. Yeah, that's the one that I turned on. It was so. Yeah. Anyway, so um, 
This cost $9 million to make. It was released on January 20th of 2017, which is really weird. It says 2016 on IMDb. It's it was... a festival movie, I think. Oh, okay. That's what yeah. it was, even though it didn't, it didn't even have limited release on box office. So its wide release was January 20th, 2017, $138 million domestic, 140 worldwide for a grand total of $278 million, 30 times its investment uh, on a return. Pretty strong. Yeah, incredible. Uh, 7.3 on IMDb. 77% on the tomato meter, 79 by the audience. Makes sense there. Uh, Richard Eric Jarvie uh, is in charge of running our Instagram. And, Richard, I know you're probably in the chat. If, if Can you give us a general window of, of the day and the time that you pay, pace the challenge or post the challenge on Instagram? Just so I can uh, shout that out really quickly. Once again, Kyle Ma was the winner this week. Kyle, thank you so much for following us and for submitting such a great question. So before we announce that, we'll wait for Richard to give us the response. There are, there are three action movie categories, Drew. Yes, totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Ridiculous movies are like Face Off, Con Air, Demolition Man. They're really silly. You kind of laugh all the way, but they're great. We love them. Totally legitimate movies are going to be movies like The Fugitive, movies like Lone Survivor or Gladiator, mm. or even a movie like Get Out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can't remember what we rated that one. Uh, and then Ridiculous Legitimate is the middle category. That's like a lot of the classic action movies that we love. The Rock or yeah. Point Break or Predator. There's some level of realism to them, but they're a little silly. But they're anchored by something really special that makes that movie feel like it's pretty legitimate. Um, what do you think? It's interesting, right? Because we've had this happen a lot um, to where like the silly moments where you laugh are so intentional and they're yeah. so on the noise nose like that that moment of the Kanye dancing thing seems ridiculously legitimate yeah but it's executed so well I think this movie for me is just oh, God you know what? I gotta go ridiculously legit. I'm in the same boat yeah there's it's just the too many things throughout that you just can't the one thing about it is like there's I, there's a level of suspension of disbelief with this movie that when I watch it like the character of the beast and that whole entire idea that he's like the beast is the only part of it that, like, loses me at parts. Right. Which is cool, and it works, and I'm willing to buy in, but I don't watch this movie and just be like, I'm going to recommend this to somebody, and they'll be unprepared to watch this and not find it weird. 50% of the people I recommend this to would find it weird. Cause yeah. Because it, it is weird. It is weird, and it's and honestly, like, after reviewing it's or re-watching it, it's good, but it's not, like, amazing. No, it's really solid. Like, I like this movie a lot. It's mostly just an incredible performance by McAvoy. So um, there's just one last thing that's to do. Uh, talk about the show on this week, and it's called The Pitch. There it is. Nice. I like that. I like what you added there. there. It's good. <laughs> uh, it looks like people mostly agree with us, although uh, Liam Crowley here says, totally ridiculous once the third act hits. You can't deny it. Mm. Very interesting there. Uh, that's Liam Crowley. Big shout out. He's our PR coordinator in Action Industries. Oh, and he actually has a guest booked for us for next week. He does. The guest that is booked next week is Janine the Machine, uh, a friend of ours from the movie trivia Schmodown world, originally a big fan of the action brand. She's yeah. an incredible designer. She makes wonderful, wonderful work. Uh, you guys have seen probably a ton of her shirts. She's done shirts of us and tons of other people. And she's incredible. She's really talented. And she's going to be coming on the show next week to cover Batman Returns. Such a cool... I, I, I'm like really excited to cover this. Have we not covered Batman 89? Did that no. not happen? No, and I, I I can't remember exactly why we decided to skip to Returns. Was it something to do with... Oh, it was DeVito and Dumbo. That's why. Yes. I guess and Tim Burton. And he did both Janine of them. has wanted to cover this yeah, movie, I yeah. think, is the other reason. Um, but we're doing Batman Returns next week. Uh, so, yeah, that's the movie we're covering. Uh, big shout-out to the generals in the Action Army. I've got Andrew Hayes, Paul DiNuzzo, Billy Belford. <laughs> nice. John Getz. <laughs> And John Patterson. Generals, we salute you. We salute you always. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for listening. Marissa, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week for Batman Returns. Take care, everybody. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.